This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by Fingertech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out Fingertech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. Fingertech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. From all the way in the back of the vaccine line, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that spills the tea around the stories of the builders behind BattleBots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kyle. And today on the podcast, our interview with Perfect Phoenix driver Tyler Wynn and his mom and team captain, Julie Johnson. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of, you guessed it, Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Behind the Bots. And if you like what you hear, tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time now for yet another round of Snap Decisions, where we make ill-informed predictions about this week's fight card and score them against your ill-informed predictions. Last week, we had 29 people participate in Snap Decisions, a total of seven called five out of last week's seven fights correctly. That group includes Matt Hedger, Craig Bowie, Evan Cabin, Travis Arp, Devin Huey, Tom Brisbane, and me. The uh, two sure shots last week were Shatter versus Ghost Raptor and Perfect Phoenix versus Extinguisher of with 21 out of 29 people correctly calling those matches for Shatter and Perfect Phoenix. The longest shot was Mammoth versus Huge. There were just four people there who correctly predicted this match for Mammoth, including me, just saying. All right, let's run through this week's fight card. And uh, I can't wait to hear your thoughts well, maybe um, we're just all going to copy. We'll we'll just all copy yours, Luke. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's probably uh, probably a good idea. All right, uh, this week's fight card. Um, first match: Copperhead versus Gigabytes. Kyle, thoughts on this uh, this this match? Copperhead always has trouble in their first fight, and I mean that not just you know based on Copperhead, but also Poison Arrow. Um, this team's first bot. Uh, so therefore, I am going to give it to Gigabyte. Wow. Okay. Chris and Lindsay. Uh, who are you uh, vying for, Luke? I was. Uh, I'm going to wait till I hear everybody's uh, ideas, and then I'm going to steal the best one. I'm just going to go out on a limb, and this is my answer for all of them. The opposite of what you say. <laughs> You're right. We scored two out, of, uh, two out of seven this week. Yeah, I, I'm I'm ranking somewhere around I don't know two correct guesses anyway. So I'm not I'm not getting the the the, the top tier spot this season. So now I'm just going to play my odds. Uh, Lindsay, your thoughts on Copperhead versus Gigabyte? So I have meta knowledge, right? Not about anything regarding how it goes. All I know is that Gigabyte was very quick to share the fight card. Uh, as soon as it came out on Monday, despite technically and not supposed to, you know, come out until Wednesday for, for non-supporters. So um, that that makes me think that they're excited about the match. However, um, I 
I can't in good conscience say that I uh, would vote for them because I wasn't going to originally. So I'm going to say Copperhead. I will also go with Copperhead. Gigabyte. <laughs> All right. All right. Next match, Sub-Zero versus Jackpot. We're going to see our first look at Jackpot. Very exciting. And Sub-Zero is essentially a brand new robot this season with Captain Logan Davis at the helm. Kyle, your thoughts on the, the flipper versus uh, this casino-inspired double disc spinner? I think it's going to be Jackpot, but I want it to be Sub-Zero. Not because I have anything against Jeff Waters or their team. It's just Sub-Zero had such a rough season. They just got utterly decimated at the beginning of the season last year and, you know, really struggled to just have a functioning bot the rest of the time. Uh, and so I wanted to be them just so they can have a decent redemption arc. But okay. Jackpot just looks so scary. I'm going to have to give it to Jackpot. Good analysis. Uh, Lindsay, how about you? Are you sticking with your IBM brethren in Logan Davis? So this is where, you know, having emotions and feelings uh, make make these types of predictions hard because uh, I echo everything that Kyle said. Uh, my heart wants to say Sub-Zero. I really want to see Logan win. Um, seeing Sub-Zero at Robot Ruckus last year, it looked like a great bot. And I know he, he made a lot of changes even since then. Um, that being said, I think it will would have any bot will have a tough time against Jackpot. Um, and I, the the brain in me says Jackpot, even if the heart in me says Sub Zero. So I'm going to say Jackpot. I am also going to say Jackpot. I think that those beefy discs are going to find a juicy little part of Sub Zero, and we may see Sub Zero flying in the air even though it's designed to remain firmly planted on the floor. How about you, Chris? Sub-Zero, let's go Logan. <laughs> All right, you're going to uh, you're going to regret this with this next one. Gemini versus Uppercut, which uh, <laughs> just seems unfair. But uh, Kyle, your, your thoughts on Gemini versus Uppercut? Hey, Gemini's got the, uh, the, the big boy pants mode now with uh, you know, their extra armor that basically makes them almost 250 pounds. So obviously I have to give it to uppercut. <laughs> Kyle, um, tell me more about these, these pants. So typically Gemini is two robots, roughly the same size, right? Yeah. Um, typically the they're, they're exactly, they're identical, right? That's the point of Gemini. If you have a multi-bot in BattleBots, the majority of the weight is considered the robot, right? So let's say you have five multi-bots, you kill three of them, that's it, you're done. Like, you've lost the match. Um, Gemini uh, gets around that by having two identically weighted 125-pound bots. But now they have the option of putting armor on one of those bots that brings them up to almost 200 pounds, right? Uh, so basically 75 freaking pounds of armor. Big boy pants. Um, makes them very tough, makes them very hard to hit, makes them very hard to deal with, except for the fact that all of these bots can hit things that are 200 plus pounds across the arena, no problem, right? Especially Uppercut, we've seen them do it. And I can only imagine that Uppercut has gotten better since last season, not worse. Uh, those kids really know what they're doing. So yeah, I'm gonna have to give it to Uppercut. I will so also say Uppercut, which means that Luke, you have to choose Gemini. <laughs> That's not how this works. 
how about how about you, Lindsay? Yeah, I'm going uppercut. I, that that seems like uh, the safe bet. A, uh, a clean sweep. I will also go with uppercut. All right. Uh, next up, Rotator versus Beta. Kyle, your thoughts on this match? I have been thinking about this match a lot. Um, this is a pretty new version of Rotator that we're seeing. Um, you know, they're coming in with their single weapon and the big old plow as their kind of main bot intentionally this year. Last year, um, it was not intentional. Last year, they bent that frame of the the second spinner in a in a weapons testing uh, accident or malfunction, I guess you should say. Nobody got hurt, so it wasn't really an accident. Um, so it was, for the first part of the competition before they got all that sorted out, just a one-weapon bot. And now they're coming in with that configuration as kind of their, their main configuration. I don't even know if they've brought the second weapon, right? We haven't seen any footage or photos yet showing mm -hmm. that they can make this into a two-weapon bot. So it presumably, if they're optimizing it for that layout, we're looking at a much more powerful weapon on Rotator. We're looking for, you know, just as beefy of his armor, an armor setup as what, you know, Tombstone couldn't get around last time. That said, it's Beta. I mean, Beta went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Tombstone and would have won that fight had it not lost its hammer. It's hard to call this one. I think I have to give it to Rotator, but just barely. And, like, I want Beta to win, but I think it's going to go to Rotator. How about you, Lindsay? Beta versus Rotator? Um, so this is one... Not not to copy Kyle, but it is it is the match that I've been going back and forth in my head about since the fight card came out. Um, so I I'm not really confident in in either prediction that I I would uh, were to make. Um, but I am going to go with Beta. I'm going with Beta because. Um, this is, you know, their return. They've been waiting a long time for this. Um, I think that they have had a lot of time to get the bot, you know, exactly the way that they want it to be. Um, and they're prepared for, for fights against spinners um, because they've had the time. And that's that's what I'm going to go with. I'm not 100% confident in it by any means, but that's what I'm, that's what I'm going with. Lindsay, I'm going to agree with you. I am also going Beta. Uh, I think that the combination of the giant chonky wedge and the electromagnets that plant Beta to the floor will be enough to overcome Rotator's big blade. Um, John Reed obviously is a very talented bot builder and has competed on all three continents. And uh, I think that he would not come back to the competition with a totally redesigned version of Beta unless he had something to prove. And um, I think this is going to be kind of the start of his story on BattleBots uh, 2020. How about you, Chris? I'd also just like to say that I think that this this match could have honestly also been at the top of the fight card. Talking about the return of, of Beta, that's so exciting. Rotator, really, really, really great top-tier bot. Um, so... The fact that we get this in the middle of the fight card, that's just a gift. And uh, I, I really do think that, um, you know, beat us back in a big way with the, with, with the, with the mags it has and, and that, that, that crazy hammer, like it could, it could stand up to a lot of bots, but I just, 
I just don't know if it's going to be able to handle rotator. So I'm going to vote rotator. Um, we were chatting about this earlier this week and uh, maybe this is a good time to, to bring this up, but um, I think that rotator and beta are going to be kind of like the, the middle match that is really explosive. That kind of like gets people hyped in the middle of the kind of two hour block. Right. So I'm expecting like, you know, cause we had huge and mammoth right in the middle of the fight card last week. I think that this is going to be kind of at that same scale, super destructive, super exciting, really, really stoked to see this match. Cause I think it's well, going to be a nothing. Good. Nothing could have been at the same scale of, as that match. Yeah. I mean, like, um, I, I think that, and the next time we have Aaron Catling on, I'd love to ask Aaron, but like, um, I think that they, they kind of program it so that the middle fight is always really exciting to kind of get you ready and going, you know, to kind of keep your attention for two hours. And this is roughly in the middle of the fight card. And unless Gemini, <laughs> Gemini and uppercut are, you know, the surprise surprise hit of the night. I think that this is going to be really, really cool. Um, this is going to be the one to, to watch for sure. All right, next up, Tantrum versus Valkyrie. Kyle, your thoughts on uh, the new puncher bot and the uh, the under under undercutter? Um, new puncher bot looks fantastic. Um, I really like the way that it functions. I think that Valkyrie is going to have to have a pretty good spin up time in order to um, handle the box rush. But uh, at the end of the day. I'm going to have to give it to Valkyrie. I mean, that the weapons that they're bringing in, the improvements that they've made on this bot, it's got to go to them. That, they, I feel pretty strongly they're going to win it. All right, Lindsay, your thoughts on uh, Valkyrie versus Dantrum? Uh, I'm going Valkyrie all the way. I am also going to go Valkyrie. I'm going to go Valkyrie. <laughs> Uh, I'm also going to go Valkyrie uh, because Tantrum is oh, God, copycat. <laughs> very, very compact. And I think that it will be a juicy little football for, uh, for Valkyrie and that gigantic, huge undercutter disc. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping to see big hits out of, uh, out of Valkyrie this, uh, for this match. All right. Next up uh, we have the big dill versus Adam 94. Kyle, your thoughts on these two rookie bots? Yeah, this is a tough one. Um, I want the big dill to win. Um, I really do, but from a rock, paper, scissors standpoint, it would be pretty hard for them to go up against Adam94, depending on how well Adam94 works. And we don't know anything about how Adam94 is going to work. Um, you know what I mean? Like, we haven't really seen any footage of it, we haven't seen much. There's been some test box footage, as I recall, but that's about it. <sighs> Tough one, but I'm going to go with the big deal. All right, you. Uh, what, what, what do you what do you say, Lindsay? Big deal, Adam ninety four. Um, I have a lot of faith in Emmanuel um, with the big deal. So, and I know that he has you know tested a version of this bot uh, back in Robot Ruckus and has been working on it for a while. So I imagine, you know, any like major teething issues have probably already been worked out. Um, and yeah, we just don't, there's like a, a big question mark where Adam 94 is. I would love for them to kind of prove me wrong and, and come out with like, like black dragon last year where we, or, um, 
uh, Railgun Max, where he just like didn't know a whole lot about it beforehand, and then it showed up and like dominated the scene. So that would be really cool. Um, but knowing what I know at this moment, I'm going with Big Dill. What do you say, Chris? Who? Um, I think that we're gonna get uh, uh, an Adam sandwich uh, with with a with a side of Big Dill. Um, and uh, I hate to gray poupon my original uh, arrangement, but I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Big Dill. I think I'm gonna go Adam ninety four, not just to be a contrarian, but um, because I think that. I just think that that huge weapon on Adam 94 is going to do something, even though we haven't seen this team compete in the U S before. And obviously Emmanuel's built incredible robots. I think that just the rock, paper, scissors of this match. Um, I think I'm going to give it to the Canadians slash Indian team, but again, not super confident in that call, but, um, but yeah, I think I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna do Adam ninety four. All right, um, the main event: Hypershock versus Gruff. Two Floridians, two super hard hitting bots. Um, obviously, two beloved teams. And uh, would love to to hear your prediction on this match, Kyle. Oh man, this is a really tough. No, it's Gruff. I mean, obviously, I, I have no reason to think it's gonna be Hypershock. Um, I love Hypershock. I love Will Bales. The entertainment factor is there. Seeing him like hanging out for an interview and watching fights in that first episode makes me think his bot's all ready to go and that everything's going to work great. But like, eh, maybe. Uh, and Gruff is just all reliable. Like that thing works. It's a tank. It works every time. It can stand up to Tombstone. I have no reason to think it's not going to work. Good analysis. How about you, Lindsay? All right. So. If the match goes the full three minutes, then I think it will go to Hypershock. But do I think the match is going to go all three minutes? No. I do think it is going to ultimately uh, end in Gruff's favor, uh, probably by knockout. But yeah, if, if it goes the three, full three minutes, then I, I do think Gruff is in trouble just because of uh, how the judges score and interpret damage. Um, but I, I honestly don't think we're going to get there. So we'll see. But yeah, final vote is for Gruff. How about you, Chris? Really, what are we what are we gambling on here? And and, and I think what it really comes down to is Will Bales's luck, which I don't know if he ever has had any, you know, in battle bots. But I mean, Hypershock is arguably one of the best bots made in battle bots. But Gruff, um, while it's not able to like dole out nearly that kind of damage. It's built like Mount Vesuvius, and you just can't go like breaking it. So I think that it's it's a likely scenario that we'll see Hypershock's luck run out before it has a chance to beat Gruff. So I'm going to say Gruff. All right, clean sweep. I am also going to go Gruff, uh, just given the toughness of that robot and the reliability that we saw in its 2019 season, especially against really tough opponents like Tombstone. I think that uh, Gruff is also seeking redemption in 2020. And so I will change my vote to Hypershock. <laughs> is that your final final answer? Final Should I? Answer. <laughs> Hypershock. Okay, You're good. Crazy. Yeah, hey, listen, I, I calls them like I sees them. If you'd like to send us uh, your predictions for Thursday night's fights, look for our fight card post on Facebook.
All right, let's uh, switch gears and get into our recap of last week's fights. Uh, week two, I feel like the big uh, theme of week two was controversial judges' decisions. Um, we saw two split judges' decisions and a lot of talk about the new judging criteria, the new judging kind of scoring system online. Um, so let's just jump right into it. First match, Shatter versus Ghost Raptor, old school, new school, right? Um, a couple of thoughts uh, from, from this match. Uh, I love how Shatter shook off all of its vinyl panels and was just blacked out underneath there, looking like a stormtrooper. Um, so cool, that bot. Um, to go from like shiny to like all black. Um, and really, really hard hits from, from Adam Wrigley's Hammerbot. Um, Plus, we saw Ghost Raptor catch fire. Um, so that's always fun to see inside of the battle box. Uh, your thoughts on this match, Shatter versus Ghost Raptor? Um, can I say something really quick about what you were just talking about, Luke? Um, of regarding, uh, what was underneath the um, shiny blade of armor? Yeah. So, okay, bear with me for one second. Another show that I love very much is RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, <laughs> which is a competition of drag queens. And what Shatter did in that moment felt like to me uh, what they call a reveal, where you come out and you're dressed in one way, and then either you like whip your wig off or you do like a really quick costume change, and underneath is something completely different. Um, and then you like wow the judges with that. And that is what I felt Shatter did in that moment. So uh, as a, uh, someone who appreciates the showmanship of it all, I really like that. Were you impressed with Shatter's reveal, Lindsay? Oh yeah, tens across the board. <laughs> did you did you like the blacked out look? I guess once all of the vinyl panels came off. I mean, yeah, you know the the shiny shiny uh, pieces like clearly was stunning. Um, it. it you know, it looked cooler, but I did think, you know, whatever. They they made it work. I like both. But, I mean, it's the bot just itself looks incredible. It looks even better on camera than it does, you know, in, in the photos beforehand. Like, it's it's such a cool-looking bot. Yeah, it looks like an alien spaceship from the future. Um, thoughts on Ghost Raptor, which kind of is like the opposite of an alien spaceship from the future. Um, looks like kind of something from... Uh, from our 80s, 90s past. Um, thoughts thoughts on the performance of, of this returning bot? The first time we saw Ghost Raptor and second time we saw Ghost Raptor, um, their blade was well-powered for the early 2000s versions of BattleBots. Not so well-powered for modern versions of heavyweight full combat competitions. They fixed that problem. Uh, the blade was obviously spinning at a very high speed. It was tempered well. It seemed to work well until it didn't. Um, there seems to be some issues with shock mounting on the weapon. A lot of the force from that weapon seems to back drive right back into their arm. Uh, which is one of the things they mentioned on the show, but that was pretty apparent just seeing how it's constructed. You can get away with that sometimes, but obviously they were not able to get away with that against Shatter. 
does Ghost Raptor stand a chance in the 2020 field um, with incredibly hard-hitting bots, especially in an era of combat robotics that favors big, big hits? Chuck is a man about adaptation. He comes up with solutions to problems on the fly, and he does it very, very well. He took out Ice Wave in the first season of this competition when literally no one thought you could take out Ice Wave. Chuck is a brilliant person, and I have every faith that he will be able to pull out at least a win or two this season just through adaptation alone. So yeah, I do think that they're a viable competitor here. I just don't necessarily think that weapon is a viable competitor. Hmm. All right, uh, on over to Ribot versus Tracer. Our first look at Tracer. This was a brand new bot from Jason Woods and uh, the team's little mini bot clean cut using a robotic vacuum from team sponsor Nito Robotics. Uh, Ribot looked a little different this season. Uh, no floppy foam body, no floppy foam legs, just this kind of very clean, sleek uh, plastic top. Um, but basically unchanged, giant wheels, modular weapon, came out um, this match with their big undercutter. And um, even though they lost a wheel pretty early in this match, they were able to just absolutely obliterate clean cut and flip Tracer on its head, um, where Jason was unfortunately unable to self-write. Um, your thoughts on this match, Rebot versus Tracer? Poor Tracer. I, I wanted them to win, but man, this was a difficult situation. They landed right on that weapon, and that was their self-writing mechanism. So, like, what are you going to do, right? Um, I'm still excited to see this, like, concept of design get proven out, but you got to give it to those robot boys. They drove really well, and they've got a solid bot. Yeah, um, in, in comments after the match, Jason was saying that if you don't have a great self-writer, it is basically just wasted weight on your bot. And if you build a self-writer that doesn't work, it's almost worse than not having a self-writer at all, you know? With, I mean, with, without a self-writer, you can at least say, you know, my weapon was down or I wasn't able to drive over to the, the corner and try and hit myself like violently to, uh, to, to self-write. Um, and there's lots of examples of robots that don't have self-writers and do great in the competition. Um, so I think there were just a couple factors here. Um, although in comments, he was saying that he might consider putting on a self-writer, kind of building a self-writer in the pits. So this may not be the final form of, of this robot. And we didn't see his uh, super cool minibot needle in this first match. So um, that is also something to look forward to in the future. Yeah, uh, poor clean cut. I don't know if that is making the comeback. <laughs> no. No, yeah. I think there's parts of clean cut all over the battle box for sure. All right, on over to uh, our first uh, of two controversial judges' decisions, Black Dragon versus Kraken. Uh, Black Dragon, of course, college student team out of Brazil um, that entered the competition in 2020 with basically a brand new team, definitely a brand new captain. Uh, 2019 captain Joao Marco returned in 2020 as a teammate, but basically everyone else was brand new. Um, for me, one of the most marked differences was the difference in driving. Um, last season, we saw incredibly aggressive driving from Gabriel Bertozzi, who did not return this year. And instead we saw um, kind of sluggish driving. Um, 
not not really the same caliber um, as what we've come to expect from the team. Couple of cases where Black Dragon just drove straight into Kraken's mouth, which is where you don't want to be. Um, and Kraken kind of landed these big, big chomps over and over again, um, broke one of Black Dragon's weapon belts, and Black Dragon knocked off one of Kraken's teeth. Um, later, Lisa Winter uh, published the uh, fight card, uh, sorry, the scorecards from the three judges after this. And it was an incredibly close um, match with a 6-5 point split um, across all of the judges, but it narrowly going to Black Dragon. So your thoughts on uh, this controversial match? Um, Black Dragon didn't drive as well, wasn't as aggressive, and uh, did not take out Matt's weapon, really. Took out a tooth. But not Matt's weapon, and uh, that's how I feel about that. I don't see what all the complaining about is about. Like it was a genius tactic to try to drive up into Kraken's mouth and then defeat it from inside of its belly out. <laughs> yes, right, right. It's like an Avenger. Um, uh, I, I thought that Kraken. It was a near perfect match for Kraken. I thought that. Um, it was aggressive. I thought it had full control over the match. It took out a belt from Black Dragon early on, and, and Black Dragon's weapon didn't seem to be able to spin up to as full of a speed as it was capable of after that. So I, I, I think easily it should have earned two points for damage. I do think ultimately Black Dragon um, should have got the majority of the points for damage, but I don't think it was 4-1. Um I, I just think that that was a really, really um, stellar performance from Matt Spurk and Kraken. I thought that was a, just a great fight. And uh, I'll be honest, like it took me a day or maybe two, or maybe I'm still not over technically uh, <laughs> the, the, the judge's decision because it just, um, from a technical judging standpoint, as well as like a, just someone watching with their eyes, uh, standpoint like what feels right to you like both of those in my eyes goes to Kraken and so it was it it hurt because if if Kraken can't win and in a fight that that was that good for them like are they going to be able to be competitive in this new scoring format I like because they seem like a competitive bot and they should be a competitive bot but are they going to be, uh, you know, cut off at the knees because of this new um, scoring method? And if that's the case, then why why even have non-spinners in the competition? Yeah, it's it seems like they changed the point system to an 11-point system this season to allow for more nuance with the judges' decisions. An idea in theory I support, right? I think all of us have talked about how, like, in theory, this is a really good idea. Now we're seeing it in practice. I don't know how it feels about it. Yeah, I, I, I think that, so I, I would agree with you, Lindsay. So so Jason Bardis scored uh, four points of damage for Black Dragon and one point for Kraken. That does seem weird um, because Kraken was able to eat through one of the weapon belts, which is pretty significant damage um and losing a tooth on kraken it's not the same as losing two teeth um 
So, I mean, is that is that really four points of damage? I mean, like Kraken was running just fine at the end of the match. Um, it's not like it lost wheels or wasn't able to to close its jaws. So that is a uh, that's a head scratcher. So <laughs> there is an argument. I, I have seen people say that um, Kraken's jaws weren't able to close as well at certain points in the match, uh, perhaps due to damage from Black Dragon. But again, I, I I don't think that that was worth a four-one split. On over to uh, happier topics: Mammoth versus Huge. Uh, what an incredible fight! Like the best fight of 2020, hands down. I think so far, and could you know in 12 weeks from now, 14 weeks from now, we could be looking back and saying week two, this was still the very best fight of the season. Loved this one. Um, the two biggest spots in the fields and uh, just absolutely did not disappoint. Um, Mammoth doing these huge cartwheels in the air, landing on this bar that they brought so hard that the bar became like an S shape, um, you know, huge, aggressively attacking, trying to eat its way into the, the body of Mammoth, you know, and finally Mammoth kind of doing the one thing that, everyone's wanted to do, but thought was impossible in yeeting uh, huge out of the battle box and getting it stuck. Um, huge match, gigantic upset, obviously, for the night. I loved this. This was so much fun to watch. Your thoughts on this match, Mammoth versus Huge? Uh, first of all, well done, Aaron Catling, for putting this match directly after the match he knew would make everybody mad. Um, because yes, I completely forgot how angry I was at the last fight by like the first third, the first minute of this fight's end. Uh, wh what was this? Like, this was the strangest dance I have ever seen. <laughs> you saw athletes, like human athletes moving like this in a fight. You would think it was like WWE choreographed insane luchador stuff. This was nuts. Absolutely nuts. There is no other way of describing it other than just pure insanity. And I loved every freaking second of it. It could have gone either way. It really could have. Uh, but Ricky pulled it out, man. And it was great. <laughs> it was really great. I thought that at one point I sat on the controller and turned on a vintage Kung Fu movie. <laughs> people were flying around like crouching tiger hidden dragon i i turned to Lindsay. i'm like what is this cirque du soleil uh, listen i'm not going to um i'm not going to put too fine of a point on it I, I i won't show it around but i did say two weeks ago that mammoth was going to yeet huge out of the battle box and you thought i was insane and after I said it, I thought I was. You were insane. And quite frankly, the result was insane, Luke. I'm not blamed for this. After, after I said it, and then when I was tallying up everyone else's predictions, and I was like, oh, actually, I'm, I'm like definitely on the wrong side here. Um, and then when it happened, I was so hyped. I can't even tell you how happy, how much joy this match brought me. Just this is the, like, okay. Everyone always asks, what's what's the what's the match that I should show my coworkers to get them excited about BattleBots? Like they've never heard of the show before. Show them this match. That is the match. Like this was 
the wildest thing I've ever seen. And it was just the greatest. So congratulations, uh, Huge and, and Mammoth for bringing us this. And congratulations, everyone who got to watch this. Like, you, good for you. Your life is better now because you got to see whatever that was. <laughs> the only uh, people it didn't work out for was our dogs because Chris and I were literally shrieking with joy uh, like every five seconds watching that match. And it definitely scared our dogs. So I don't know if they loved it, but it was definitely a win for us. On number two, a strange match, uh, an unexpected match, Claw Viper versus Hijinks. Two rookies uh, from veteran builders in the sports. Hijinks, Captain Jen Herkenroder had previously competed on Scorpios and Battle Royale with Cheese, while Claw Viper Captain Kevin Milchewski had previously driven the Minibot for Warhawk. Now, interestingly, Claw Viper has been essentially totally radio silent on social media throughout the entire build season, throughout the um, throughout the competition, and even after the competition. So like people hadn't really seen much of this robot at all. And I guess kind of the assumption was, you know, it's kind of a middle of the pack uh, grappler, but instead we saw this totally tanky, hugely fast and nimble robot. Um, that was pretty much perfectly paired to defeat huge horizontal bar spinners, which hijinks is. Um, we did see uh, the, the grappler on Claw Viper go down almost immediately, and um, hijinks ended up losing drive, but hijinks's weapon continued to spin throughout the entire match, which is a really, really good sign for reliability. Um, hijinks just looks absolutely mean it's not a robot that i would want to go against at all but um in this particular match ran into um some reliability issues and uh was really paired with with a really tough opponent in claw viper i would love to get your thoughts on claw viper now that we've seen it and uh your thoughts on hijinks now that we've uh, we've seen its first loss claw viper is ridiculously fast ridiculously fast i thought that they made a very strange choice by making that claw out of uhmw um and i knew that it had to be because of weight but it seems like the reason is because they put so much power into that drive that drive is i mean you blinked and it, you couldn't see it go across the freaking arena that was yeah. insane um it was extremely well driven i I got to give it to him. Like that was a very well done match and it was too bad. Hijinks had uh, such a catastrophic failure right off the bat. Uh, I don't think it's their fault. Uh, it's a brand new bot and they really haven't had adequate testing time. Um, Cause it's very hard to test a giant four foot horizontal spinning blade like that <laughs> anywhere safely. So, you know, you can only really do that in the battle box. Um, but wow, Claw Viper is, I mean, hypershock levels of fast doesn't even, doesn't even say it. Yeah, I, I, I could see its stock rising uh, by the moment. Um, I think that, that people are, are really going to pay attention to this robot just based on this, this pretty dominant performance um, right, right out of the, the, the gate um, with a pretty convincing knockout. 
on over to Perfect Phoenix versus Extinguisher. Now we won't talk about this one very much because uh, Perfect Phoenix driver Tyler Wynn is uh, gonna be joining us here in about five minutes. Um, and he really breaks down this fight in a far more sophisticated way than we possibly could. So uh, let's skip this one and jump straight into our main event, Hydra versus Witch Doctor. Totally punishing fight. Um, for me, two things really stuck out um, after this match. First, Witch Doctor has absolutely nailed reliability this season. Uh, we saw it successfully survive multiple um, launches into the air, these kind of really hard landings in strange angles. Anything like half, half of these hits would have totally <laughs> disabled any other robot. Um, plus getting flipped over on its, its, its back many times and self-writing over and over and over again. Um, and then and then on the other side, I mean, Hydra, like huge, huge flips. Like um, they, they promised in the off season that Hydra was gonna come back stronger than ever before, and they have. And um, they really, really gave Witch Doctor a pretty punishing, punishing fight. Little bit of controversy online about whether Hydra had controlled movement at the end of this match or whether it should have been counted out early. I don't really have an opinion on that, but I would love to hear your opinion on, on this, this, this fight. It again went to a split judges decision. Um, so that obviously sparks a lot of controversy. Your thoughts on Hydra versus Witch Doctor. I think um, Witch Doctor did not have the performance they wanted to have in this fight. I think even if they did have the performance they wanted to have in this fight, they probably wouldn't have won. Hydra is a force to be reckoned with this season. I think that they are an easy favorite for the nut. Really? Wow. Like all the way. Yeah. I, I really don't see any reason they wouldn't be the force with which, I mean, that first hit, that first launch looked, it did not look like a flipper. Right, it looked like somebody took a hammer to, uh, like a giant clown hammer to the front of which doctor and launched them into the air. It's not the same thing that we've seen with flippers in the past. It was very much so an impact, not a throw, and that's that's a scary amount of power for a bot that's already split other bots into three sections. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Chris, Lindsay, your your thoughts on the main event? Yeah, Hydra packs some explosive power, and I, I totally agree with Kyle. It, there is uh, giant nut potential there, um, you know, especially with uh, the 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 uh, the competitive landscape kind of turned upside down for the season. Uh, you know, with the the new change in rules for judging, like it still has the ability to kind of uh, deal out enough uh, damage to um, remain competitive. For, despite not having a, uh, a vertical or horizontal spinner, um, it's it's uh, it's it's fast, it's reliable, um, definitely definitely has a chance to go all the way. Witch Doctor, I've never seen a bot take so many brutal landings and just keep going. Literally, it deployed its smoke screen like in an attempt to try to get away, but uh, you know it just it still held in there uh, all the way to the very end. That was really impressive. Um, but it just uh, it wasn't in the cards for for Witch Doctor, who has that vertical weapon that they've been building, you know, um, with Reach in mind, but not necessarily uh, uh, about getting under a, a bot similar to Hydra. 
For me, uh, it was like watching Darth Vader defeat the Jedi's um, because leading up to the match, um, Team Oyachi, you know, in, in the interviews, uh, were very confident and like made some comments about which doctor, which I thought were unfair, but I, I get that it's a television production and you gotta have someone playing up, you know, the, uh, not, you know, not to call him a villain, but to play up the, you know, cocky, confident side. Um, and so I really wanted to see which doctor pull it out because I wanted them to, you know, um, put him in his uh you know just like to to set it to set the record straight about what they could do um but that was not to be uh, i did think it was smart that they were going to have their weapon uh spinning the other way than normal to try and get under it um but yeah again obviously it just it wasn't at uh, the same profile as that bot and they weren't able to to find that spot but uh you know i uh I wouldn't love Hydra being the the giant nut winner. I'd love to see um, another bot really kind of give them a run for their money. Um, so we'll see what the we'll see what the season holds. I in, in my mind, I mean, I think that the matchup for Hydra that they don't want would probably be a tombstone. I feel like a tombstone would would really uh, destroy the front end of that robot. Um, Maybe a hijinks, you know. Um, a blood sport. Yeah, if, if, blood if sport. Weapon low enough. Right, a blood sport, a Valkyrie, you know. Um, I, I think that there are a lot of matchups that could be <laughs> coming later this this season that will expose um, some of the inherent design weaknesses in a flipper, and I, I hope that um, that they give give Hydra some of those matches really to, to, uh, to try and prove it's, it's, um, it's position in the top 16, top eight, top four. Um, so, uh, so yeah. And that's it for this week's predictions and fight night recap. After the break, our interview with Tyler Wynn and Julie Johnson. This week on the podcast, we have two very special guests, Perfect Phoenix driver Tyler Wynn and his mom, Julie Johnson. Tyler is 11 years old and is the youngest driver in modern BattleBots history. That said, he has more combat robotics experience than the average BattleBots competitor, having competed and won multiple competitions here in the U.S., and in the UK at BuggleBots. In the 2020 offseason, Tyler and his mom, Julie, approached Bite Force Captain Paul Ventimiglia about buying Brutality, an overhead bar spinner that won Paul his first giant nut in 2009. Tombstone Captain Ray Billings refurbished the bot, which entered the BattleBox this year as Perfect Phoenix. This week, we're catching up with Tyler after his first win of the season over Extinguisher. We're looking forward to learning more about this bot and this team in the hour ahead. So welcome to the show, Tyler and Julie. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, yes. I am. Uh, I'm so excited that, uh, that that you can both join us. And um, because my introductions are always woefully inadequate, I would love uh, because there's two of you. Maybe you could introduce uh, one another. So, um, Julie, maybe you could start off by introducing Tyler and telling us a little bit about Tyler and maybe some interesting facts about him that we we may not know. And then Tyler, maybe you can introduce your mom, Julie. 
Sure. Um, it's Tyler Nguyen, and he's um, 11 years old, and he, um, he's been botting since he was probably five years old, and he's been doing really well, and he became friends with Bray Billings, and his botting career has taken off um, after that, so um, we owe a lot to Bray. Um, for Tyler's career. Uh, this is um, this is my mom, Julie Johnson. She is forty-seven years old. <laughs> uh, um, she's been like a really big help to me in my robot fighting career. Uh, because she has like repaired my robot through multiple competitions, and she's always like really supportive of my um of my victories and my losses. Uh, and um, she is a good friend with Ray Billings, who, as you said, has um, helped has helped rebuild and refurbish Brutality slash Perfect Phoenix. That's uh, a fantastic introduction, guys. Hi, this is Kyle. Um, so I wanted to go ahead and ask you about uh, the match that just aired last week, Extinguisher versus Perfect Phoenix. Um, if you could, Tyler, could you give us a breakdown of your match and what happened? Um, so out of the gate, uh, I knew he would box rush me because most, um, usually when a, uh, a horizontal spinner fights a wedge type robot or a primary wedged robot, especially if, uh, an ex especially if, uh, like a fast one, like extinguisher, they aim their they aim their frontal armor plate right at the other robot and do a do a, a bull do like a bull rush straight to the other bot and and it absolutely and and usually uh the strategy would work perfectly and the 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 other robot the horizontal spinner especially would get smashed into a wall and prop the the motor would probably smoke up and maybe catch fire uh, what I did to counter that, um, so since it was kind of like a uh, chess game, I had to think one or two steps ahead. I angled my robot out of the gate at a um, at about a forty-five degree angle, and I as soon as extinguished, as soon as I um, the light turned green, I went out there. Uh, I spun around and delivered a counterattack to the exposed side edge side of extinguisher's wedge. Um, that must have that and the and him hitting the wall at twenty five miles per hour combined, and um, maybe like a faulty or unreliable electronic caused a system shutdown, and extinguisher was defeated. Uh, it looks like that match was over in about fifty nine seconds. Um, so, was there anything else that happened in that match that didn't really make it to TV, or did we see everything there? You, I think you saw you saw pretty you saw everything that happened in the match. Um, I guess a bit of the uh, the the uh, kind of strategy talk dialogue was was omitted, but like you have to fit it. They have to fit it into a two hour runtime, so that's understandable. Um, so yeah, none of the all the fight it, it happened exactly as you saw on TV. I actually got a better glimpse of it with that slow motion replay after the fight. Seems seems that my robot got knocked back quite a bit from the shock of hitting a tough the extinguisher's tough steel wedge, and we did have some dent. We had some paint nicks and I guess dents in the bar that after 
in the post-fight examination, but uh, the fight was in, but the fight was pretty much um, a good a good debut in my favor. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we got a question from Extinguisher Captain John Flack, who asks, "Were you surprised when we died right off the bat?" Um, I, I was pretty surprised that they're that they died right off the bat. Um, I know that I, I think that it's well, that's quite a bit of bad luck that their like electronics failed pretty um that their like that their electronics failed, but um that's just the nature of the sport of combat robotics. Uh, in my insect weight tournaments, the little ones especially, um, sometimes my uh, my robot's pretty successful, but a lot of times it dies when it when it when it uh, when it really shouldn't because of because I got a bad ESC, bad battery, and the motor the motor conks out on a good hit. And the robot and the other robot has to play a part in that too. The blade, the blade can dish out uh, about, I'd say between eight and twelve thousand joules of energy. And um, to put that into perspective, a baseball home run is approximately one thousand joules. So it does deliver quite a bit of energy that let that led the ESC or whatever broken extinguisher to fail. I like that answer a lot. Very technical. Thank you very much. All right, so we've got some more questions specifically about you guys and uh, the combat robotics career so far. So uh, Big Dill team member Brandon Bennett Young asks, how did Tyler get into combat robots? And this is a question for both of you as Tyler was, I guess, five at the beginning of this. So Julie, your memories might be a little bit more clear. Yeah, I think his first, um, his first run-in with robots was the Viper Kit. So we bought him a viper kit when he was like five and he took off with it and started fighting um the viper kit like when he was like five so i was like his foot in the door to botting i think my my perspective on it was that uh well when i was five um i i was i was basically um with my little five-year-old fingers um, flipping through the channels, what, what led me to buy that Viper kit was I found this, this at the time exotic TV show, and and you guessed it, it was BattleBots. Uh, <laughs> so basically, we I put on the show, and as luck would have it, it was um, it was one of my favorite fights to this day due to the the uh, pretty much the one-sided destruction of it. It was Tombstone versus Counter Revolution in 2015 uh what basically um tombstone sent counter revolution the uh the dual vertical disc spinner flying in the air like it was nothing and and i like and it was kind of like really cool to me as a five-year-old to see like ex things exploding and flying in the air and yeah. basically I, I was like hooked i watched the whole i watched the whole season of BattleBots, and like and it was and my family and I were basically, were basically arguing over who would win, Bite Force versus Tombstone. At least that's how I remember it. Might not have been as heated as I remember it. Anyway, um, so fast forward to when I was, I think I was actually six when I got my Viper kit. I I competed in the event Bot Blast of twenty of twenty sixteen in July. It was July fifteenth, I think. Um, of 2016, and basically, I kind my my robot didn't do so hot that first time around. Um, I got a I got matchup against a deadly drum spinner driven by a similarly aged competitor a competitor 
called Scythe. Uh, yeah, he basically launched me up in the air, but it was a fun experience still, and I learned a lot from it, and I went from there. And then by the next year, I was winning. I, I won my first first place. Wow. Um, so what was your favorite competition that you've competed at so far? Well, I would definitely have to say BattleBots, but in but other than BattleBots, I think it would be um nostalgia says that 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 bot blast 2016 event was the favorite one i've competed in <laughs> <laughs> like it was kind of a new it was kind of a whole new thing for me and i was basically sprinting around the venue was a mall so i was basically drinking orange julius smoothies and just sprinting around checking out other people's bots and looking at that intricate seemingly impossible to decipher machinery uh, with with like with a smile the whole time. <laughs> that does sound great. All right. So, what was your favorite robot that you've driven so far? Um, my favorite robot that I've driven so far. Um, a lot of my um, I like I I especially liked um Brutality slash Perfect Phoenix the best. Uh, a lot of the little robots. The thing about them is they're extremely unreliable. Like they sometimes conk out for no reason. And I feel like the bigger, the, the, the bigger, more heavy-duty machinery of a heavyweight, it kind of, like, boils. Like, there's luck involved, of course, as, uh, um, like, an ESC or can burn out, whatever. But um, m random mechanical failures are a lot less frequent for yeah. my heavyweight. And, like, it'll it'll be, um, it's quite, it's it'll be, like, it's, it's more reliable than a little bot. So uh, that's why I like it better. It's kind of more expected, and I can use strategy, and I can use more strategy because I don't have to like factor in random luck. Yeah, it's more robust. I get what you're saying. Um, all right. So if you were to build a new heavyweight from the ground up, what would you design? Uh, honestly, it would probably. If I design a new one from the ground up, it would it would it would honestly just probably be another overhead spinner. I really like the design. Uh, it's like it's a good blend of attack, of 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 attack with that overhead spinner, and defense with the um with the with the wedge. And it's kind of it's it's the best of. It's not even like a jack of all trades, master of none. It's actually the best. It's kind of like more of a best of both worlds thing. Um, with the original Comedy Central BattleBots, you can see that overhead spinners like Hazard can just can um can absolutely destroy and annihilate other bots effortlessly. And if you look at Brutality's, the Perfect Phoenix slash Brutality's match against the Last Rites, aka Tombstone, somewhere in like 2004, 2005, you can see that that wedge can, act, can actually take a lot of punishment. So yeah, it has extreme defense and extreme attack. And if I were to make that using entirely modern technology, I think it would be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is not a listener question. This is just a personal question. So if you had a choice and an unlimited budget to upgrade things on Brutality slash Perfect Phoenix, what would you upgrade? Well, uh, so the um, the, the uh, frame on Brutality slash Perfect Phoenix is actually uh, aluminum. It's, it's pretty thick aluminum, still aluminum. I would, I would, if... I still have a bit of weight left over on it. Uh, I would honestly just upgrade it to um to steel, 
if I had the weight, I would I would upgrade it to like a steel, an entirely steel frame. So it would be like a brick. Uh also the mod I would the the motors are a bit outdated. They're like 2005 model. I would upgrade those to like the tw the, the latest variety of motors. And the um yeah, I would just mostly other than that, I would just I would on just buff up armor and buff up the weapons just like an all around I would just do an all kind of an all around upgrade for it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right, so fellow upstate New Yorker Lindsay Yuriko asks, "What do you like to watch or play when you're not working on robots?" Uh, I like to on I I usually play um I I like I like I like Team Fortress 2. I play video I play video games like that, but I also like uh BattleBot Simulator's like Robot Arena 2. And on the um on this on the um sandbox game that runs in the source engine made by Valve, um Gary's mod, you can actually if with a lot of if you can actually um make a make a battlebot in that game if you like. It's not meant the game isn't meant for battlebots, but you can make a battlebot in that game if with a bunch of like mods from on the internet. Uh yeah, it's a lot of fun to try to do that. That's really funny. Uh what other like a non-video game related, like what's your favorite show right now and what kind of games do you like playing just like at home or with your friends? Okay, so non-video game related, uh, TV show, well, BattleBots is like a, the obvious pick. The other one I like to, I, I honestly like to watch, uh, the Perfect Phoenix was actually named after a Beyblade. Well, it was it was a Beyblade and a reference to Rise, Rising from the Dead philosophical stuff. But uh, I also <laughs> like to watch the... Uh, the Beyblade TV series, because I like that line of toys. It's fun to play with my little sister and my mom and my family and sometimes my friends. I I get to play Beyblades with my kids sometimes too, and it is a lot of fun. It's a really cool game. All right, Tyler, I'm going to start with an eight-part question from Alexander Archer. Uh, each of these questions are, are really great. So um, uh, given that there's so many, we can we can just kind of burn right through them. Are you ready? Yep. All right, the first question. How are you already controlling a combat bot at just 11 years old? I think it's it's in part due to the start the fact that I started pretty early at like 5 to 7 around that period of time. Also, um I I play a lot of video games and the controller on a BattleBot is kind of like a game controller. So it's so the sh the shift from video games to a combat robot is definitely not that hard especially if you play a lot of video games. So I just kind of think of it as kind of a video game-like thing. So that's how I can control a combat robot easily at the age of 11. See, yeah, I remember being your age, and I would always tell my mom, Mom, the Nintendo is improving my hand-eye coordination. You you can't stop me. I actually agree with that. The games, the, um, games actually do improve hand-eye coordination by quite a bit. It does. It also improves your reflexes. You don't play them. You don't want to play them too much because it'll also increase your blood pressure and blood sugar content. <laughs> See now, nobody told me that part. All right. The second question: How did you acquire brutality from Paul Ventimiglia? Well, that's an interesting one. Uh, so, um, basically, I was at the uh, Robo Games event in twenty seventeen or eighteen. I went to Robo Games both years with my uh, three-pound combat robot. I'm pretty sure it was 18. Uh, so in 2018, I went to Robo Games 
with my three pounder that year was the one I won that year. Uh, also, so basically, um, I was with Ray, so that had uh, quite a bit of a part to do with it. We were thinking about um, buying Brutality off of Paul to compete in a BattleBots or RoboGames event at some point. Um, so we went, so we went up to Paul, and I and I was like, and with Ray in tow for um, negotiation purposes. Um, so and basically, we kind of like negotiated the price for Brutality. Kind of Paul kind of explained to us that it was in the condition that it was after the 2009, after it won the BattleBots Giant Nut in 2019, and I mean not 2019, 20, 2009. So we got so we base so we um got brutality, and then a bit later when we were in possession of it, it was shipped, it was all gotten there, and Ray had finished fixing up Tombstone that year. Um, it um Ray started work on brutality. And welded together chassis. It was actually bent quite a bit, so we had to hammer that out. And then a lot of motors, speed controllers, and the battery had to be replaced because it was all broken. So yeah, it was. It's like pretty. It's pretty much a whole new bot this year mm. than it was in two thousand nine. All right. The third question from Alexander is: How did you change? Uh, why did you change the bot's name from Brutality to Perfect Phoenix? Uh, brutality is already. I think it was because that brutality already had uh, ties to Robo Games. Um, like there's there's quite a few robots from Robo Games that were well, that's in BattleBots too. Like a um, I think Gruff went to Robo Games under that name, but um, but like there's a quite there's quite a bit of like contractual stuff. So I so and I wanted to give it like a new paint job and kind of make it my own. Um, so, like, I decided to change the bot's name, paint job, and a couple of the armor materials on the top and bottom plates, so it would kind of, it's mostly for personalization purposes, honestly. I wanted to make it more my own than Paul's bot. Did Perfect Phoenix, the, the name itself, actually come from the fact that the bot rose from the ashes of brutality? Uh, that was definitely part of it. The original name for it was just Phoenix. And then we, and then, and then, and then I realized that it was quite similar to the name of one of my, one of my favorite Beyblades. So I decided to change it, kind of as like a nod, a, a nod to the, a nod to Beyblade fans that happen to be watching BattleBots. Um, so it, it did in part, like I'd say, seventy five percent come from the reference of brutality rising from the ashes. Mm -hmm. How does it feel having Ray Billings as your mentor in robot combat? Well, it feels pretty great having such an experienced roboteer um, help me along my journey of robot fighting. Um, he's been, a, he's been, I, I can trust that he like knows what he's doing since he's been doing uh, BattleBots since he was, since, wasn't it 2004? He's been doing BattleBots like longer than I've been alive. Like, so basically while I was in diapers, Ray was winning championships in Robo games. So I can, so yeah, I can definitely like know that he knows what he's doing. It's quite an interesting experience. Uh, sometimes when when I go into like a Walmart with him, the, the, there's a couple people that are like, "Hey, aren't you the guy that did the thing on BattleBots?" And then and then they have a whole discussion about BattleBots. So it's kind of like gives me some indirect publicity from that. It's quite it's quite um interesting having him as a mentor figure. In conclusion. How long did it take you and Ray to refurbish Perfect Phoenix? Like, yeah, a year. 
it took an int- it because um Ray was working on a uh, tombstone and other projects too. We had to um it took an entire year to refurbish Perfect. Uh, we we th- we had to and Perfect Phoenix was pretty much a pile of scrap parts that we had to piece together in order to create the battle bot that you know and hopefully love today. So it took a whole year, yeah. How does it feel to start Perfect Phoenix's season with a knockout? Well, uh, honestly, it, it felt pretty good. Like, it felt re- pretty good. I didn't want to get, like, overconfident from that. But but it kind of gave me a, a bit of a boost in confidence that the robot is is still pretty is still a good um is still a good fighter even though he was a he was originally a 2009 robot um it gave me like the knowledge that it that it could still easily keep up with robots of the 2020 season all right alex's next question is a tough one who would win between perfect phoenix and tombstone um i think it would be pretty close um but i think yeah, I think Tombstone would win this year because uh, um, Tombstone has been upgraded quite a bit over the, since last time per, tomb, per Brutality fought Tombstone. It would so it would be pretty close, and I think it would. It's, I think it's like a forty sixty for Ray for Ray because he's driven his bot for longer and it's updated with the newest twenty twenty stuff. But um, if I could, if I could end up getting to the wheels. I, I think I could. I think I have a shot at beating him, but I think it's more likely that Ray would win. Alexander uh, Archer's last question is: Do you think Perfect Phoenix can make it to the round of thirty-two? So basically, uh, I'm. I already know the answer to that question since I've been in the show. But if I pretend that I am a observer, observing from a, a place of no knowledge. Um, I and in only knowing about, I'd say, uh, let's say we have a large background knowledge of brutality and Perfect Phoenix. I'd say that if if he can get, um, if I'd say that if Perfect Phoenix could get, um, can can go can beat like a, a good bot and get the attention of the selection committee, Perfect Phoenix mm-hmm. would have a shot to get at the round of thirty-two. All right, my next question is from Drew Willis, who asks. How many different weapons do you have besides the red AR-500 bar? Uh, isn't the red S7? Yeah, the red is actually S7. Um, it's a harder material that we use for um, that we use against wedge bots and bots that we know won't break it because it's a bit more it's a bit more brittle, but it's much it has much more attack power than AR-500. We do have some AR-500 bars. We have the red bar that we use against extinguisher. We have a blue bar that we use for um, we do we have a blue custom AR five hundred bar that we use again that we'd probably use against um, a horizontal or vertical spinner. We have an orange bar which is our heaviest. Um, we're weighing in a bit underweight since um, brutality was originally built for the two hundred twenty pound weight class, so it's our heaviest bar. If we're facing like a huge heavy hitter uppercut vertical spinner. We'd probably so we'd probably um, put on the orange bar to like kind of weigh us down and not let us get chucked around. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, we have uh, our uh, a tiny bar called the um, we have it painted to the yellow bar. Um, so um, that bar has an interesting story to it. 
So once when um, the original Brutality bot was fighting against was fighting against uh, Tombstone, he um, Tomb, um Brutal Tombstone actually ripped Brutality's bar in half. But basically, but Paul, but the original builder Paul Ventimiglia, he didn't let that stop him. He actually cut that into a new a new bar, a shorter bar for use when you when you want like agility and speed and light and being like lightweight. That's fascinating. Um, I have now a series of questions on the subject matter of Bugglebots. First, we have Nelly the Ellibot Sarah Malian asks, Tyler, what was Battlebots like compared to Bugglebots? Uh, Bug Bugglebots was a bit more of kind of a, a like a bit of a comfier like feeling because it wasn't. It was. I mean, it was like a. Was it telefy? I don't. It was a bit less kind of. Of, of a production is what I'm kind of trying to say. It was more of a straight event than a production like BattleBots is. Um, between the experiences, I can say both had their own advantages, disadvantages. Really, they were both an amazing experience. They're just, they're just, they're really different. BattleBots is was more of a like. It was yeah, BattleBots. I had like more kind of experience in because it was like familiar and i had like friends in Bugglebots. uh battle in BattleBots, it was kind of more unfamiliar to me since it was my first time driving a heavyweight i did have some friends i made in past events at BattleBots, so that kind of helped with the kind of transition from insect weights into heavyweights they were both like i have to emphasize that they were both amazing experiences and that i and that i, I really hope to compete in more events of both of both of their nature mm. My next question is for Julie. Was Tyler's first fight at BattleBots or his first fight at BuggleBots more nerve-wracking for you? Uh, definitely BattleBots. Like Sarah was amazing at BuggleBots, and it was more of a um, laid-back feeling. So BattleBots was off the hook, nerve-wracking. Yeah, I, it, again, it's, it's probably all that production value. And, um, you know, all of those incredible teams uh, all around you, that must have been uh, a, real, a real shock to kind of, you know, see, you know, your, your own family there amongst, uh, amongst all these builders. Uh, yeah, definitely. You can attest to that too, right? Yeah. Yeah, we both agree. All right, my next question is from Tom Brisborne, who asks, Tyler, given you first came to my attention when I watched the first series of BuggleBots on YouTube, what did you think of your time at the event with Captain Doom? And do you have any funny stories from behind the scenes that you could share from that event? P.S. Hope we see more of you in Perfect Phoenix this season. I thought that, that my time at the event was definitely uh, an amazing experience. It was, it was one of the uh, best Beetleweight events that I've ever gotten to. Uh, a funny story from behind the scenes is that, um, so basically when we were flying to BuggleBots, uh, and... Um, the, uh, the, the airline company was not very good at handling a, a battle bot. So what happened is it got lost in the luggage. Like we, like, like the pet, like the suitcase in it did not come out of the airplane. So we actually had to like, like, um, Captain Doom miraculously appeared uh, on the ground in, um, miraculously appeared in a suitcase on the ground in the middle of an airport. Um, we were almost about to have to call it quits all the way in England. And also, um, 
the reason my wheel there's uh my wheel fell off against uh wasn't it that it was that wedge with a spike on it it was actually shattered from the battle against um k2 which is why it come which is why it came off in the fight against was it limpet the limpet that's the one all right my next question is from richard sum who asks how did you adjust your driving style between driving a robot with a static weapon like Captain Doom and one with an active weapon like Perfect Phoenix? Uh, I didn't have to adjust too much. I mean, I already have an antlight vertical spinner uh, called Commander Doom II because the first one was a lifter. Anyway, so um, my driving style was kind of... Brutality slash Perfect Phoenix is definitely a, a wedge bot at heart. It's more of a, I'd say it's more of a, a wedge with a spinner on it than a spinner with a wedge on it. If, um, but uh, so basically, um, we uh, my driving style had to be adjusted to account for spinning up. Um, when I got up to, but it spun up pretty quickly, so I didn't really have to make too much of an adjustment. When it got up to speed, I have to deal with the recoil. A wedge would be like a brick in take impacts, but a spinner is kind of different because it also has to focus on the backlash from those attacks. So it was kind of a bit of a shock to deal with for to deal with your robot like pinging around the arena after a hit. As you could see after I hit the side of extinguisher's wedge, I flew back and I wasn't really like expecting that because with the wedge I usually just kind of shove him into the wall. But with a spinner, mm. I fly around like a ping pong ball. <laughs> the uh, Richard asked a, a follow-up question in the same vein. Is this the first time you've driven a heavyweight and if so, how are you finding the difference between driving lighter weight class robots and heavyweights? Uh, this is def this is the first time I've driven a heavyweight. We pretty much got it ready just in time for BattleBots. Uh, so um, we were so at, with a for, um, the difference between driving a heavyweight and a lightweight. Lightweights are um, they're smaller. They're definitely um a lot, and I mean they're not faster per se. But relative to the arena size, they're a lot zippier compared to the, uh, in comparison, slow and lumbering heavyweights. Um, so I'd say the difference between driving both of them, uh, a lightweight starts and stops really fast, and a heavyweight you can um, it it takes a while to slow down. More like a, a it's like the difference between driving a, I'd say a a, a pickup truck and an RC car. So he has to like start and stop um, really slowly. You can take advantage of that by by um, drifting your robot. You can um, in the test box. I could actually um, like drift it around, like kind of like a race car. Because so because of the uh, I could take advantage of the large size, but there are also some disadvantages like not knowing exactly where and when you're going to stop. Hi, Tyler. Uh, this is Lindsay now. I have, I have a few questions for you. Um, this one isn't a fan question. This is something that I was wondering. Uh, who is your teammate? Uh, where, where did you meet him, and what, what is he responsible for on the team with Perfect Phoenix? Uh, oh, um, so uh, he was, his name is Sawyer. Um, so we kind of had him as more of a uh, last-minute addition to the team because I'm one of the old RoboGames announcers, Roy. What's his last name? Alan. Roy Helen, he was one of the old RoboGames announcers. He wanted to join our team, and uh, he kind of brought his his um kid his kid along, and I kind of took it in stride. We 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 we, we, we were kind of friends at the uh, BattleBots event. It was um really it was a really good experience having like an entirely new teammate around. 
um, his role was, um, he helped repair the robot. Um, we kind of, we, uh, our role was mostly with unpowered or low powered tools because operating, um, extremely high powered power tools is quite dangerous. Um, we, we took up, we, we, we had the same roles of changing top plates, changing batteries, and I guess in hauling motors around the pits. Um, he also was the, um, pulverizer pusher you didn't see that um in the extinguisher fight um because i i don't think i had to use um either team had to use the pulverizer in that fight but he was standing at the uh pulverizer stand um with his with his hand on the button ready to ready to smash it down oh that's cool so you made a new friend out of it too um all right so we have a, a question here from Bloodsport team member seth schaefer so he wants to know, many BattleBots teams make a lot of upgrades year to year. As a robot that has only some minor improvements on the 2007 design, Perfect Phoenix is surely a candidate for a redesign. Do you imagine you will have to, um, that you'll be making uh, upgrades to the existing bot? Or do you think that um, making any major improvements would require starting over from scratch with a chassis like we did for Bloodsport version 2? Um, well, there's, well, we're planning on, we're definitely planning on doing a, uh, a bit of an overhaul with, with more, with, with more armor and weapons. Uh, we won't, since, um, Bloodsport's design from season, um, four to season five, uh, was, it was, it was quite different. Um, so, um, but, um, we're planning on making a, a, a very similar perfect phoenix we're planning on making us a, um, a much more similar bot than that that um from season five to season six than blood sport did from season four to season five uh most of our improvements we won't really it's more of a direct upgrade that we're gonna try to make than in entirely different parts so we're just gonna like focus on what we did and what we can do better basically yeah so Glitter Bomb Builder James B. asks, hypothetically, if BattleBots did team-ups as a kids versus legends thing, would you rather team up with my two girls and their BattleBot Glitter Bomb to fight against a team of Tombstone and Bite Force or fight on a team with Tombstone against my kids and Bite Force? Um, well, Bite Force... The the little bot glitter bomb it could it could um if it's I haven't really heard of that one um but if I it sounds like it sounds like it's it sounds pretty good from the looks of it because it's uh it has two it has two little girls working on it I think it might actually do pretty well uh if it, if I we if we fought against um um I think I would be on the the team with um glitter bomb and bite force versus tombstone. Cause um if if glitter if it could the glitter bomb bot could actually um since tombstone only has a weapon from the front front it could attack from the sides and bite force has a sturdy enough armor plate to do an upper to, to smash to smash tombstone head on and I could attack from the back and kind of rip open the um, armor plate it would be a much less even match if I just had tombstone against bite force and glitter bomb um yeah if I would be a much less even match because um. Glitter could uh could probably it could probably attack me pretty while Bite Force dealt with Tombstone, and because we we've seen what Bite Force can do to Tombstone last season, if if Bite and then we'd basically have a two on one, I would be fighting against Glitter evenly, but 
but then Bite Force would come and smash me out of the arena, and that wouldn't be a very good outcome. So I would pick Bite Force and Glitter Bomb versus Tombstone. That's a great answer. Uh, and finally, let's close out this interview with BattleBot Superfan, honorary Sporkanuck team member, and friend of the pod, and unofficial behind-the-bots writer, Mary Catherine Carr, who has a series of deeply philosophical questions. So the first one is, what's your favorite school subject? Uh, well, honestly, I would probably pick recess, but if it has to be an actual subject, then... Um, uh, my science teachers are really hit or miss. I can either have a really good one that like does a lot of experiments and is open-ended or one that just has us memorizing and jotting down facts for a standardized test. Um, I think the most kind of the most reliable subject is math because um, they basically like it's basically only um, now that I'm in sixth grade, I'm not really good at mental arithmetic. Um, so, um, but they, but usually they let us use a, a calculator now that we're in, now that I'm in a grade where there's more complex operations than 127 multiplied by 78. I have to do like algebraic equations now. Um, and like math is, there's only a few ways to like, you can't really mess up math. And this year I think my math teacher is, um, is pretty good. So I'd pick and I, and I also quite and I also excel at it quite a bit. I do really well on math, so I think I pick math as my favorite sub real subject. And recess, if I could pick anything, I do within a school campus. <laughs> That's a good answer. Plus, math is probably pretty helpful when you're trying to build a battle bot. Oh, definitely. I have to, I have to plug in a bunch of equations. Uh, the I, I have to I have, um usually when I'm calculating the kinetic energy of my weapon. To see which to see where I want to attack on a bot, um, I actually have to I have to I actually have to punch in a bunch of numbers, like the uh, the kinetic energy formula. I don't wow. I don't really have that on my I don't really have that on my hands right now. I I, I usually just kind of do a fill in the blanks template with that formula, but um, it's still a really useful skill to do math. And um, I definitely have more in a, of an advantage now as I do when I began BattleBots. Because when I began BattleBots, I was five, and the most math I knew was seven plus seven equals four, 14. But my answer ended up being 15 because I was five. Um, <laughs> but, na but, but now I knew, but now I know um, distance equals rate times time and algebraic equations like that. So I, do, so I can apply them into robot fighting and have a more advanced knowledge of, of BattleBots in general. Uh, do your friends at school uh, or the your other classmates know that you're on BattleBots, and and what do they think about that? Uh, I told my classmates and my teachers; they were really impressed with me, uh, because they they really like the watching the BattleBot show. Um, I was really surprised that my teachers watch BattleBots, because um, oh. usually, like like the stereotype of the stereotype of teachers being boring is pretty untrue in this case. Because they're watching a cool show called like BattleBots, um, so yeah, I definitely think that my school and classmates had a really positive response to BattleBots. My teachers even uh, sent me an email saying that they really liked the episode last Thursday. Oh, that's so exciting! That's wonderful. Um, so, Mary, uh, Mary Catherine Carr's next question is: What do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, I really like to keep my options open. It would probably be something technology related. 
like I could be like I I could um if I have a if I end up having a talent for coding I've tried to code a little bit it usually ended up with me copy pasting stuff off of GitHub but um if I if I if I end up having a talent in, in coding I I would I might be a software developer or maybe an inventor or a scientist even they 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 do make quite a bit of money and um yeah maybe I could like invent a new thing a new revolutionary technology my that's my optimistic guess. I might end up, I mean guess I might end up, be, end up being something else, but I hope I really hope I can do pursue something technology, engineering, or science related. Yeah, I think you could even find a way to to combine all three of those: software development, scientist, and inventor. Um, I bet there's a way. Um, so she her next question is: as you're 11 and achieving something that's on many grown up people's bucket lists. What is still on your bucket list? What What do you hope to do in the future? Still, well, um, um, I can't really. I mean, I can just like not about what what um the results of BattleBots this year. Uh, so, but um, other than robot fighting, um, on my bucket list is definitely um. It would definitely. Mm, Probably to get it to, probably to be a millionaire, honestly. I want to make like a lot of money, um, hopefully growing up. If I like invent something new, I could like provide for my family and get like a nice house and a nice like nice appliances and stuff. And I could and I could definitely provide for my um, yeah, I could feed my family and maybe children if I decide to have them. And also, um, on also on my bucket list is 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 making a is is making an entire video game uh because um i really like playing video games and i really like combat robotics i i want to make a robot fighting video game at some point but the best i've made is a square that can is a, is a square that can move around and that was copy pasted from the internet i couldn't sell it because it was copy pasted from the internet but um yeah I've, i i, I want to make a robot fighting video game at some point and as for now, of course, that's uh, that's all the stuff on my bucket list. I'll probably get more as I grow up and like and see new things that I want to do. Yeah, absolutely. But I think uh, I think those are some great goals to have um, already. So that's that's wonderful. Um, so how do you balance a competition like BattleBots with online schooling? Oh, that the answer to that is easy. You see, since t since time zones, since California's time zone is minus three, I could start and end school three hours early. Since my school gets out at, gets in at nine and and, and ends at three twenty, I can I can basically I can just log in from my hotel room. At, since I'm still on the uh, East Coast time, I it was easy to wake up at six for school, and um, since it was twelve, it was only twelve twenty by the time I got out, I could go to BattleBots and wait for my fight. Wow, that's a lot of responsibility to be juggling for any person, let alone an 11-year-old. So good for you. Uh, and and uh, this last question here is for Julie. What's the hardest part of balancing being a mom with being more of a manager of your son's robotic feats? Um, I would say he, he um, does a lot by himself. He's very independent. So I kind of sit back and let him drive and with Ray helping him and guiding him and kind of being a mentor and role model 
um, makes my job a lot easier. So I sit back and let human write and do their thing. So, um, yeah, he makes it easy for me. That's, that's awesome. Uh, Tyler, do you have anything else that you want to say to your fans or, or anything else that you want to add? So many people really look up to you for being on the, uh, being, uh, competing this season. I just, I, all I want to add is, um, that it's, it's a really exciting to be on, um, BattleBots at 11. I know that I'm like, that I'm really fortunate to have, uh, like such a family that can provide that me to do BattleBots, um, and uh, I cannot. I'm also just gonna add a message. You too can do BattleBots. It's it's pretty easy to get into, unless you ha unless you have like a lot of responsibilities. Since I was, it was lucky that I got into BattleBots like really really young, and I was born late enough that I can that I can that I can like be exposed to the sport of BattleBots really young. Um, um, because I was five and I had no responsibilities. So basically, I got done with kindergarten and started drawing ideas for bots. But even like, but no matter how old or young you are, um, you can do um, you can build a bot and go into a competition. Um, my, my the oldest competitor I've ever seen was like ninety. He he, I think his bot his bot was like whippersnapper or something like that, and it was entered into the um, and it was entered into a, a couple small tournaments. Um, it started out being a a bit of a joke, but um, last I've seen of it, it was it was it was um, actually uppercutting robots to the ceiling, and the youngest competitor I've seen was like my age. It was the youngest competitor I've seen is me when I was seven. I haven't seen any younger than seven, uh, so I think I was the youngest competitor I've ever seen, and the oldest one I've seen was uh, like a ninety year old. Yeah, it's really something anyone can do when you are breaking the mold for everyone and showing uh, showing them that uh, that this is something they can do. So thank you for doing that. Uh, we love talking to you, Tyler and Julie. Thank you so much for joining us today. We wish you best of luck um, in the rest of the season. And we're looking forward to seeing Perfect Phoenix in the Battle Box again soon. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for robots around the world. This week, we are traveling over to our friends in the UK, where researchers at the University of Southampton are studying whether robots can encourage humans to engage in risky behavior. This sounds like a recipe for trouble. The researchers recruited 180 students to play a gambling game with virtual balloons. Every time the student pressed the space bar on their computer, they'd win a penny and inflate a balloon slightly. If they overinflated the balloon, it would pop and then they'd lose everything. One group of students were paired with a robot who would encourage them to gamble more by asking them questions like, why did you stop pumping? I imagine in a British accent, which I will spare uh, my impression of for you. Uh, the, the group ended up pumping the balloon far more times than the control group without the robot. Uh, that group, however, also won more money. So uh, yeah, can, can robots encourage us to engage in bad behavior? It sure seems like the answer to that is yes. 
Chris, this seems like perhaps the worst robot for for your ants. Uh, you know, oh. if they if they they uh, they brought this robot over to uh, Mohegan Sun, you know, uh, the entire family would be penniless. There would just be a graveyard of um, spent balloon casings. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I mean, like, I'm, I'm not sure if this is like a psychology test and, um, if you had a human sitting next to you and saying like, Hey, you should, you should keep pushing it, you know? And are we just susceptible to peer pressure all the time? And, uh, including when it's digital with a robot or if there's something special about the robot, if we feel like maybe the robot knows something that we don't know, it's kind of an interesting human question. And, uh, one that I'm glad that I don't have to grapple with as an ethicist. All right, so here's my concern about this robot. Couldn't it very easily be installed at a casino, like legally? Like, there's no rules against that. Mm. I mean, that seems unfair, and also, like, it might contribute to, oh, I don't know, gambling addictions. This is uh, another case of, yeah, you can do that, but should you? As are most things related to robots and research studies. Touche. Yes, that's accurate. Just because you can create a robot that will increase your profit margins at the casino by 45% doesn't necessarily mean you should. Uh, but then again, where there's profit, there is a way. Jackpot. Well, that's about it for us today. We'll be back in your feed next Wednesday with another mystery guest. We'll see you then, folks. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. See you later. Good episode.